0: to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, LaRose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's time for the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Local sports, national sports. The G-Cat is on it. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Now, settle up for a tall glass of sports talk. Here's the Sports Hangover with Gus Cattingell.
1: No, it is not Gus Cattingell. The trials and tribulations of one Gus Cattingell traveling about the country, trying to get to a graduation up in Vermont. Those plans are on hiatus. We will get to that during this edition of the Sports Hangover. I am Todd Graffinini the radio voice of your New Orleans Pelicans, of course, 100.3 FM. ESPN Radio New Orleans is your flagship for the New Orleans Pelicans. I am filling in for Gus today. We are live at Katie's, 3701 Iberville. We're on the corner of Iberville and North Telemachus here in the heart of Mid-City where lunch is happening in front of us here. The menus here, we will talk about all of that as this show progresses, we've got three hours and we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Jordan, the graduate, is the first time I have seen Jordan as a college graduate. He is here as well. And my co-host also today, you know her from the Saints Wire, from her wonderful pieces there. You, you can read up any amount of Saints coverage on the Saints Wire. Uh, one thing that my co-host and I have in common, we were both... Well, she's presently, but the Tulane Radio sideline reporter for football on the network. I was once that a very long time ago. You can follow her at Maddie Hudak underscore 94. Madeline Hudak is with us as well today. Maddie, it is great to see you. We have not done this in a while. Graff and Hudak are back in the building.
2: I know. It's been, you know, time to get the band back together after this... uh trying off season. Yes,
1: yes, you know there's no shortage of things to talk about as well. If you want to get in the game, give us a call at 1-800-998-1003, 1-800-998-1003 as we bring in Maddie and of course the graduate Jordan who is here at Katie's as well. He is got he's got the sound bites ready. He's uh he's not going to take your order. He's he's doing other things here at Katie's, but
2: You can ask him though. Jordan, great Hi. to see you. Great. Uh,
1: congratulations. You are now an alumni of the universe, or the Southeastern Louisiana University, if you will, line up in Hammond.
3: No, I, thank you. Uh, it's been a while since I see you. It's probably been since the, the blender, blender days since I've seen both of you guys. Correct. During the playoffs. So nice to finally see you guys and thank you for coming and helping fill in the, uh, for the sports hangover. Today. Well again, we're
1: going to get into what Gus is going through right oh, now. God. Of course, I got the selfie at 7 a.m. when I was walking in Audubon Park this morning. Guess, Gus is heading up to Vermont. Uh, to see, I want to say it's his nephew's high school graduation. It's definitely not mine. Okay, no. <laughs> so, so Gus, uh, Gus right now is in our nation's capital, Maddie. And, um, his flight from D.C. to Vermont, Burlington, Vermont, if you will, has been canceled. So Gus is with Carver, his five-year-old, and, uh, I asked him if he was going to take a tour of our nation's capital with his son, but I don't think that's happening right now. I've got a head-in-hand selfie from Gus, and uh, he's not in a very good mood right now.
2: I could imagine. Are they planning to drive to Vermont? Is this the great road trip? I I have
1: no idea what's going to happen. I have a feeling, though, he is going to call in at the very end of the show uh, to give us a travel update. So... Again, one eight hundred nine nine eight one double o three. We are live at Katie's. Come on out; the the place is filling up for lunch. It is a it's a scorcher out there. Of course, my co-host Maddie's got a sweater on. That's another story. Why I have no idea because it's about one hundred sixty degrees outside.
2: Yes, but our lovely venue at Katie's is nice and air conditioned. It is well
1: it is well AC'd, if you will. We've got a great guest list for you today. Again, it's interesting, Maddie, because. You know, this time of year, it's usually pretty slow, right? But there is no shortage of topics to talk about, and we've got look Saints OTAs just wrapped up again. We've got the NBA Finals, of course. Game three last night. Tulane's got a new head football coach, and of uh, course, baseball coach. I, what did I just say? I don't know why I was thinking <laughs> they've got a new baseball coach. My mind's going 100 miles an hour, and then of course uh, the Deshaun Watson. Uh, situation continues to get crazier by the day we're going to get into all of that and uh, our guest list is as follows we hope to hear we don't know if this is going to happen but Joel Myers my colleague on the tv side for the Pelicans he is traveling right now from Atlanta to Florida we hope to get him talk about the finals and the Pelicans uh, Pelicans offseason also in progress Hopefully he'll be with us, if not in the first hour, we'll get to him down the road. We're going to talk to Gary Smith of NOLA.com and the advocate who is the beat writer for the Tulane Greenway. Of course, the new head baseball coach, Jay Ullman, was announced yesterday. There'll be a meet and greet at the Wilson Center tomorrow, and uh, I plan on being there to talk to Coach Ullman. Then Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights, the editor-in-chief, will be in-house here at Katie's to talk Pelicans and, of course, the NBA draft. Is coming up literally in two weeks. Two weeks, we will uh, have the NBA draft. Pelicans are picking eighth in the draft, and that's pretty much it. And we hope that you come along as well here at Katie's and enjoy the wonderful menu. I know Scott Craig, uh, the chef and the proprietor here at Katie's, will be along as well. So hope you can join us here at one eight hundred nine nine eight one double o three live at Katie's. But I think the first order of business last night. Lady and gentlemen, is uh, Game 3, Finals. We saw the Boston Celtics in their first home game in the Finals in 12 years. Pretty much dispatch of the Warriors, 116-100. I know the Warriors made it close in the third quarter. Testament to them, Maddie, that it was that close because I don't think it was that close of a game personally. But the Warriors, as they usually do, were able to come back. But when it was all said and done, the Warriors score 11 points in the fourth quarter. And the Celtics run away with it 116 to 100 as now the Boston Celtics have a two games to one lead in the NBA finals.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of feels even though Boston seems to be more complete of a team, like actually a really good finals for, you know, the first time in a long time. I think that when the Warriors do play defense, they play good defense. It's just a de- deciding on whether or not they're consistent about that, and whether or not it shows up before the third quarter and then whether or not it dissipates thereafter. But, I saw this article online it's titled, The Warriors Can't Beat the Celtics on Vibes Alone, and I can agree with that to an extent.
1: Look, and full disclosure, I don't know if anybody out there knows Maddie, and you can follow her at Maddie Hudak underscore 94. That's M-A-D-D-Y-H-U-D-A-K. Maddie is a Bay Area native, San Mateo specifically. Now, for all you non-geography majors, and I know my co-host here, <laughs> Uh, I could tell her to go around the corner and she's going to need a map to find it. San Mateo is basically in between the city of San Francisco and Palo Alto. So if you drive south trying to get to Stanford, you're going to pass through San Mateo. Would I? Yeah. Would that be accurate enough?
2: Yeah. And I I mean, that's, it's where Tom Brady's from, if that helps people get a centering.
1: So, but again, Maddie is a Bay Area native. So she grew up literally with the Warriors. She was there. When the dynasty became a dynasty. So, in essence, she is a Warrior fan, though now she's a Pelicans fan, which is the way it needs to be. Um, But this is a total conflict of interest for Maddie Hudak, who, when she does her soccer PA, and she is the voice of the New Orleans Jesters, too, as well, by the way, the voice of Pan American Stadium for the New Orleans Jesters, when she transforms into the Mad Dog, it is all about defense for Maddie. And to see the Boston Celtics, the NBA's number one defense, hold your Warriors to 11 fourth quarter points, that has really got to tug at your heartstrings.
2: Oh yeah, and, and I'm not just there since the beginning of the dynasty, you know, I, I was there when the stadium booed the team for trading Monta Ellis and thinking Steph Curry was, you know, just a, a bum ankle <laughs> and nothing more than that. So I, I've seen it all down there, um, and I, that is something that I also feel like it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with all these dynasty teams and, and super teams. And yeah, Kevin Durant came over and they were on rings, but you know, Steph clay and Draymond have been there for a long time. And I do think that is a kind of unique thing at this point, but yeah, again, as I was saying before, it's frustrating because they can play defense, but they've just seemed all out of sorts. Uh, and I know that the three of them haven't really played together all season. And that's, you know, it's easier said than done. I think that they have a lot of chemistry, but, you know, Clay Thompson, when you tear your ACL and you're out for an entire year and then you come back and tear your Achilles and you're out for another season in the middle of your prime, uh, it's, it's hard to just kind of get right back to that. And it was one thing when, you know, Steph was also in his prime, but he's no longer that. And then Draymond has just uh, had a lot to say all uh, playoffs, and it's not all necessarily wanted or warranted, but... Uh, I think that they could dig themselves out of this, but Boston is definitely playing all, you know, better lights out. They can shoot, they can defend, and really they controlled the tempo of last night's game to me, but for that brief third quarter comeback.
1: I am not going to pat myself on the back, Gus Katengel style, as he is very apt to do, but I did say a month ago that the Boston Celtics were the best team and they would win the NBA championship. That's just me. Now, you mentioned Klay Thompson, who missed two and a half seasons before coming back uh, this year. And, you know, look, he's still trying to find his rhythm. It was good to see him last night, though, Matty. He was 7-for-17 seven from the 4, 5-of-13 from 3, 6-for-6 six six at the free throw line. He scored 25 points. Steph Curry's been the leading scorer in this final, scored 31 last night. But Draymond Green, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on Draymond Green, because personally, I think he is the most unlikable, one of the most unlikable NBA players. Now, if he's on your team, you love him, okay? Don't get me wrong. On the other end, it's that's Marcus Smart for the Boston Celtics. This is a very likable-type individual finals. You really don't dislike anyone individually except Draymond Green, and if you're going against the Celtics, it's Marcus Smart, because he gets on your skin. But Draymond Green, I am happy to say, had the triple single last night. Two points, four rebounds, three assists. And at one point, I tweeted out at the end of the game, if your line is two, three, four, five, halfway through the fourth quarter, you're in deep trouble. The five was fouls, and he wound up fouling out with six fouls. So, Draymond, go do your podcast, prepare for game four.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, a bias thing where I I know him and I've grown up with him, so I understand that he plays, like, a heel character at times. I think he can lean into that sometimes. But then, you know, when they're losing horribly in Memphis and they're playing whip that trick and he starts dancing around with the people on the court, it's like then you kind of see the more positive side of that. But, yeah, he needs to get his emotions in check to me in order to, you know, demand more playing time moving forward because the bench and these rookies have shown up and closed out games at this point through the playoffs well it's
1: interesting because those young guys really didn't play a whole lot last night when you're talking about jonathan kaminga and moses moody uh kavon looney played just 17 minutes last night scored six points Boston just dominated them inside, rebounding, second-chance points. To hold. Again, Boston is the better team, yeah. and as we talked about, it's a miracle. It is a miracle Golden State was even in the game.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, they really have relied on their shooting prowess. I mean, you know, when I saw the Splash Bros in 2015, they were literally unstoppable. Like, it did not matter how much defense you wanted to play because they could all shoot from the logo, and they can sometimes do that, but it's not as consistent, and they can't rely on – Steph and the given their age, and I don't even know if Steph's going to be able to play for the rest of the finals at this point, given his knee situation. But it feels like there wasn't really a passing of the torch, but they're kind of in this limbo of Jordan Poole, all of these kind of young core guys starting to kind of find a rhythm, but they're still that core three. But I feel like the chemistry of getting that all to work together is something that they're still kind of missing. And, again, that could be a product of the three of them not really playing all season together and then now dominating the starting lineup.
1: Yet, Maddie, they're in the finals anyway. It really is remarkable.
3: Yeah, and there's a lot of sound that we're going to get into later on in the show. But as y'all mentioned, Draymond Green, his performance was anything but spectacular. Here's his take after the game on his performance.
1: Ah just think I never found a rhythm, um, really, on both ends of the floor. So uh, not enough force, but just got to find a rhythm quicker. I will say this. He was pretty subdued in the, because everyone was predicting before the game that how many technicals was he going to get, was he going to get ejected. I, I thought that he held his composure pretty well right up until he fouled out at the four-minute mark when he shoved. Al Horford away. Remember that scramble for the ball when it was a hot potato down there? And that was it. I mean, after that moment, that was pretty much the ball game.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a wild scuffle on the ground. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen a dog pile on an NBA court. And I knew someone was going to get hurt, but couldn't really tell what had happened to Steph. And I also do think that influenced Draymond's reaction. I will say, if nothing else, those guys will lay down their lives for each other.
1: No question, as they all were going for the ball, Steph actually had it, and Al Horford yeah. went for the ball in a way you're really not supposed to go after it, and Steph got his, rolled his on. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're going to see what happens. Game four will be on Sunday, if I am not mistaken. They've got a couple more days off. So, again, two games to one, Boston leads, go Golden up. State. Well, yeah, hey, again, I... <laughs> Boston's a better team. We're going to take a break. Come back. We are live at Katie's, 3701 Iberville. We're in the heart of mid city. Come on out. Enjoy your lunch. Myself, the graph, it is Maddie Hudak. It is Jordan, the graduate. Mr. Black is also here, uh, a frequent caller of this show. He has already ordered his swamp fries. So the menu is here. We're going to go over that. Tons to talk about. Saints OTAs. Tulane's got a new baseball coach, Deshaun Watson, in the news. So much to talk about. Buddy back in LaRose Studios. We'll take a break. We're live at Katie's, Graff and Hudak, on the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3 FM.
2: Great news for our video poker players, Cash Magic LaRose has reopened. Yes, Cash Magic LaRose is open and bigger and better than ever in our brand new casino right here in LaRose on Highway
0: 308. So come on in and win. You'll always be a VIP Cash Magic. Gambling problem 877 stop It's Gus Kattengill with the Sports Hangover inviting you to join us for Thursdays with the crew of Katie's. Every Thursday we'll be live at a member of the Katie's family of restaurants from 12 to 3. When the Sports Hangover is at Katie's on Iberville, you're going to enjoy Sports Banner. It'll be lively and delicious eats. Swamp Fries, Oysters Schlesinger, the Delta Queen, or if you dare, Tackle the Barge. A three-foot loaf of fried catfish, shrimp, and oysters. Good luck. It's Thursdays, 12 to 3, the sports hangover with the crew of KDs on ESPN New Orleans. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. Hi, I'm Mike Gwynn with Gwynn Auction Company, and I'd like to invite you all to our upcoming public equipment and vehicle auction this Saturday, June 11th at 10 a.m. in Jennings, Louisiana. This auction will feature late model Caterpillar equipment, excavators, dozers, farm equipment, vehicles, and much more. To view our inventory, go to GwynnAuctions.com. When searching for us on maps, simply search Gwynn Auction Company. That's this Saturday, June 11th at 10 a.m. in Jennings, Louisiana. How could we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the major league. Now back to the sports hangover with Gus Katengal.
1: and Hudak, Jordan the graduate back here at Katie's. We are in the heart of mid-city, 3701 Iberville here on this Thursday. Uh, my bad everybody. The game for the finals is tomorrow night, Friday. When you get into the summertime, you just, you lose track of what day it is. I, it feels like Friday to me. So I, I don't know why, but yeah, game four will be tomorrow night at TD Garden in Boston as the Celtics look to take a commanding three games to one lead over the Golden State Warriors. 1-800-998-1003. If you have ever question or comment for myself, Matty Hudak. And Jordan Kleber, by the way, you can follow me at N.T. Graff. I am not He's hacked anymore. no longer
2: an NFT monkey.
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact, I never thought, see, when Maddie really got into her writing and everything, she blew by me and followers absolutely just raced by me, and I never thought that I would catch Hudak again. But uh getting hacked by an NFT monkey, uh, my cousin Nate Graff, Actually, who it was uh, got me to 21,000 followers. Now, I have dipped down to 8,300, but I still pass Maddie up. So, there are a lot of NFT people who are getting sports tweets that want no part of that, but uh, that's where we are right now. Jordan, you've got a question of the day.
3: Yeah, we actually have two questions of the day, and they have to deal with the NBA Finals. And we just have, you know, a, a question to just throw out there in general. First one is Thursday's question of the day. After three NBA Finals games, what are your thoughts on the series? You could comment or call in 800-998-1003 or tweet at us at ESPN Radio NOL. The other question is, Graf kind of brought this up. What is your go-to vacation spot during the summer? Because you're going to be going to Ireland here yep. in a couple of weeks, so... Thought that we'd throw that one out there.
1: Was thinking about that because you mentioned Jordan that you were going to play golf after the show, which took me aback. I, I mean, did you it, yes. have a
2: Freaky Friday? That I would,
1: <laughs> it's, it's Thursday, Matt. Yeah. It's freaky Thursday. Thursday. I, I just I where a where are you playing? And B, did you tell the uh, the greenskeeper that you were going to show up and hack his poor course? No, I'm
3: not. I'm Covington Country Club. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. If, if you played there before, you you already know what the greens are like. But that's all I'll say about
1: that. one 800 we will have a little fun with the uh, vacation spot because, again, uh, family's going to Ireland in 19 days now. And the countdown is officially on in the McGrath House. Uh, that is the place where my wife is truly at peace and happy. So I'm very much looking forward to that because she took my kids uh, – our kids she took the kids to uh, disney world last happiest weekend on earth correct uh i don't think it was very happy when they traveled home on monday uh but i was in florida with my college buddies having a Ryder cup uh two-day golf match so i think i won that weekend
2: uh, yeah my mom and i used to stand in the bathroom at disneyland and every time a <laughs> kid would come by screaming and crying we would just stand there happiest place on earth happiest place <laughs> on earth so that's yeah that's my thoughts on Disneyland. We used to go in January when it was pouring rain uh, in ponchos, so there was no one there.
1: Now, you were flying from uh, from the West Coast all the way to... Where? Disneyland in L.A. Oh, oh, you're in Anaheim. We went to okay. Disney World
2: once. I'm like, why okay. would we go cross-country? Fancy
1: Disney World. The yes, fancy I, Disney World. I, I tell you, I, I think I've been to Disney World one time, and that was when I was a kid. So, um, the, the one thing I will say, though, is my kids actually were asking... We're not going to do this unless Daddy's with us the next time. So I was missed a little bit. I will say that. I will say that. 1-800-998-1003. Saints OTA is wrapping up. Maddie, next week we've got mandatory minicamp, and that is going to be very interesting. I will be covering that. I will be out there Tuesday, Wednesday, open to the public. Thursday's practice is closed to the public. But we'll get a real look now at uh, guys out there. I'm just very curious to see, Matty, who is in attendance as far as the veterans. Is an Alvin Kamara going to be out there? Uh, we've already seen Jameis at the OTAs. Uh, you know, at quarterback throwing to the new wide receiver. Jarvis Landry has been out there at the OTAs. So I think, number one for me personally, and I'll be out there again with, with John DeShazer and Aaron Summers covering for new Orleans Saints.com, um, what the attendance is going to be. And when you know who's out there, what kind of work they're going to get, because this is the last real work you will get until training camp starts at the end of July.
2: Right. Uh, and, you know, there were a couple things that just kind of stuck out to me from OTAs, you know, looking at Nick Underhill at New Orleans Dot Football. Uh, he always has very thorough updates on OTAs. A couple things that stuck out to me were PJ Williams being listed as, you know, a, a safety fully seems like they're not going back to that kind of db thing with him so i I, i'm curious to see how that is um peyton turner wasn't there so i i do kind of still have thoughts about the fact that we really haven't seen their first round draft pick play much given that he was kind of absent for a lot of training camp last year and ended up on injured reserve and then you know hasn't been at these open sessions but what i'm most curious about is to kind of see how especially tyron matthew and jarvis landry kind of fill that void of of veteran, you know, leadership that they lost with Malcolm Jenkins. They lost, you know, on the defensive side. And and there really wasn't kind of, you know, with Michael Thomas being out last season, there really wasn't anyone to kind of guide that group of receivers. And, you know, I think about Emmanuel Sanders being on the team and, you know, we kind of joke about it now, but even Chris Hogan during training camp last year, showing, yeah, and, and just TBT to those. Uh, days, uh, where he was just, you know, you know, yeah, like Aesop Winston and <laughs> Jalen McCleskey, you know, how, which routes to run, where to place their hands. And it, it was helpful to see, but you know, with, with kind of the draft picks all focusing on defense, especially, uh, besides Chris Olave, who I'm, I'm you know, I'm excited to see him. I'm not really you know, curious in a sense of will he be good or not, because that would be, you know, really shocking if he isn't. Very curious to see how Elante Taylor performs. You know, he's their second round draft pick and I believe it was their first pick up until, you know, the fifth round because of the Olave trade. Uh and I think he caught a lot of, you know, unnecessary draft day flack because of those decisions that were already made for another trade. But, you know, to me, you don't pick someone at forty nine overall for absolutely no reason. And I think he has high character. I think he's very intelligent. I spoke with his trainer, and I think he has all of the things that you would want in a prospect. So I'm curious to see where they play him, how this new defense looks with that split safety idea. If Marcus May is able to start participating, he might not be able to. I know that he took part in a walkthrough, but... Seeing then who's there in his place will be very interesting to me, given his you know vision of having those two interchangeable safeties. One
1: eight hundred nine nine eight one double zero three. One eight hundred nine nine eight one double zero three. If you have a question or comment, myself, Maddie Hudak, and Jordan the Graduate. You know, Maddie, you've now covered the team. You were here last year. You you covered training camp. You were at every home game. So you are now an official member of the New Orleans sports media, and that's an awesome thing. So you've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. You did one of your typical Hudac deep dives, at, uh, USA Today Saints Wire, on Elante Taylor as you interviewed his trainer, which, interestingly enough, a year ago, you did the exact same thing with Paulson Adebo's trainer, what are the comparisons and some of the contrasts you have seen talking with both of their trainers? Because, look, Paulson Adibo, you could make an argument, was the surprise of the New Orleans Saints a year ago. I mean, this is a guy who was picked in the fourth round, if I'm not mistaken, and wound up starting the majority. I believe third round. Third round? Fourth,
2: round? In book a, yeah.
1: See, that's why she's here, because I, I don't know any of that draft stuff. Um, but, yeah, third round. He wound up starting pretty much the entire season. Um Is anything like that? Do you see anything like that for Alante Taylor on the horizon?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the thing with Paulson Adiba, which I don't think gets enough credit is, you know, he came out of the Pac 12, he played for Stanford, and he didn't play the entire season prior to that. He just worked with his trainer. Uh, and I didn't really realize, you know, how important that work was until, you know, my work with the Scouting Academy and especially at Defensive Back. I remember One of the things that Clay Mack, who was the trainer for Paulson Adebo, emphasized was how important footwork is and how that's really the end-all be-all of the defensive back position because if you take an extra step, then that guy makes a cut and separates, and then you have to take three extra steps to turn and catch up. So getting something like that down, getting those fundamentals down, but speaking with Lorenzo Taylor, who is, I'm sorry, Lorenzo Spikes, who is Alante Taylor's trainer, uh you know, really, his intelligence really stuck out to me. Adebo, it, it was like, you know, he was such a physical specimen. And both of them are former wide receivers, which I find to be very interesting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of translation of ball skills and understanding, you know, receiver routes from that side of things. But, you know, he was a quarterback and a wide receiver and, and, and a very, you know, athletic guy growing up. He's also a very, you know, high character individual. That really stuck out. Seems very mature beyond his years. He was a vice president of the SEC Council. Um, and, you know, part of some student athletic association there. And he told me a lot of great anecdotes, but just how smart he was and how much he picked up uh, at Tennessee once he switched over to defensive back, and he could really realize, you know, how he could exploit his knowledge of the wide receiver position to kind of, again, anticipate what they were going to do. And he tackles it in the box like uh, strong safety to me. So that was really interesting to me as well. He emphasized his versatility, And just his ability to pick things up. And when I think about the Saints and how their coaching staff looks for prospects, you know, that responsiveness to coaching and those smarts and, and and all of that to them are incredibly important along with that physical,
1: you know, prototype. That's a good segue because Dennis Allen literally right now is at the podium addressing the media after the second OTA again. There will be locker room availability. We're going to talk to Catherine Terrell uh, of the athletic at 145 right before she goes into the locker room. So she was at the OTA today, and it'll be interesting to hear her perspective. But I I just think, and you touched on it, just player development in the last few years has just been so key. When you start with that draft in 2017, which really started this run, the reason why the Saints are the Saints again is because they were able to get all those rookies to contribute where they're – being paid on a rookie scale, and you're not having to break the bank trying to re-sign them to huge free agent contracts, when you can develop your rookies and have them contribute, you are so far ahead of everybody else in the NFL, and that's where the Saints have been, and that's why Paulson Adebo doing what he did last year is so huge because you don't have to break the bank right now and pay him because he's still on a rookie deal.
2: Right. And credit again to uh, to Chris Bouchard and again you can really see the value of coaching when you look at the Saints, when you look at their ability to find, you know, these diamond in the rough. You know, I think Pete Werner equally doesn't get enough credit for, you know, what he was able to do last season given kind of the perception again of him on draft night. You know, do the Saints always hit on their first round draft picks? Remains to be seen this year, but a lot of teams cannot build through the draft and the, that does not happen solely in the first round you have to really know how to kind of scout those diamonds in the rough and especially in docking with Lorenzo Spikes that was something that we really felt like the Saints kind of hold you know a premium on uh, uh, that not all teams do in that ability to really find playmakers Marcus Williams, TJ Garner, Johnson, PJ Williams all of them coming out of the second through fourth rounds
1: That's Matty Hudak right there. By the way, while you were talking, Matty, I was thinking, of course, the real thing that I know a bunch of people are very curious to see in that mandatory minicamp is Michael Thomas going to be out on the field. We got a picture. I got a – again, I'm not much for Instagram, but I know Nick Underhill tweeted uh, a video of Michael Thomas basically sprinting uh, from end zone to end zone. What's promising. So is he going to be there next week? And that just jarred the memory of, you know, yesterday we found out that Cooper Cup just signed a $110 million extension. Where where are the Rams getting the money from? I mean, are they just reaching into a bank and pulling out, you know, stacks and stacks of Benjamins? So they just extended Cooper Cup. They just gave Aaron Donald the biggest contract in the history of the NFL if you're not a quarterback. Um, you know what? Let's play them too, Matt. I, I mean, come on. Bring everybody on. I I'm, I don't want to get this fired up before training camp, but bring everybody on. All right, then. Thank you. Thank you. That's Maddie Hudak. Jordan, the graduate's here. Again, it's not training camp yet. I get too worked up. I get too worked up during the season. I can't do this right now. We're going to take a break. I am Todd Graffinini I'm the radio voice of the Pelicans. If you do not know that, we are at Katie's. We're in the heart of Mid-City, 3701 Iberville. Come on out. Have some lunch. It is a wonderful menu. We'll get to that in just a little while as well. 1-800-998-1003 if you have a question or comment. Take a break. More sports hangover with Graffin Hudak after this on ESPN Radio one hundred point three. Oh, <laughs> oh,
4: Terrio, Douay, and Terrio, more than just an insurance company, they're marine insurance specialists. Whether it's fishing boats, cabin cruisers, sailboats, or marine industry, you can trust Terrio, Douay, Ontario to get you the coverage you need at a price you deserve for your home, your auto, life, fire, and health. They've been taking care of people since 1957. Call Terrio, Douay, Ontario at 475-5126. Just ask for Lynn Pierce or David O. Along Bayou LaFouche in Golden Meadow. you have a pest control problem?
0: Dad deserves double the thanks this year. So this Father's Day, give him the power tool system that has everything for every job. The Ryobi One Plus tool system now on special buy. Over 260 Ryobi tools powered by one interchangeable 18-volt battery. And for a limited time, when you make a qualifying Ryobi purchase, you get one select tool or battery free. Feels like Father's Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid through July 31st, 2022. Valid at participating stores and online. Limit one per transaction. Got a hot take? Everybody listen up. Let's hear it. Call us at 800-998-1003. Answer that phone. Or tweet us at ESPN Radio NOLA. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Cattengill
1: Hey, we are back live at Katie's, Guy Grafinini, Maddie Hudak, Jordan the Graduate. Yes, Southeastern, Louisiana University. The man walked on the stage. It's hard to believe that Jordan, who was once an intern is now an adult. Congratulations Jordan again to the public.
3: I'm still kind of, you know, shocked that I actually did it.
1: Do you know what the real world is now, Jordan? And I'm yeah, not I'm not scary. talking about the TV show.
3: No, it's kind of scary. Good it's, luck. And it's not the it's not the Truman show either anymore, so. No, it's not. So, it's it's actual real world, it's when he steps out of that bubble. So, that's what I'm feeling like right now. One
1: 998 one double o three. One 998 we're live at Katie's 3701 iberville we hope that chef scott craig will be joining us at the top of the next hour as well we've talked nba finals we got saints otas again mandatory mini camp is next week open to the public maddie tuesday and wednesday closed to the public on thursday but well they're going to be some excited people out there uh in the sweltering heat of the new orleans uh morning it thankfully it is at 10 a.m but uh, they'll be out there. Tulane's got a new head baseball coach. We're going to talk to Sean Watson really specifically in the two o'clock hour. I know you have a lot to talk about, uh, on a personal level and as a journalist on the, uh, Deshaun Watson and as a, uh, and as a law, a master of law, which is again, uh, Maddie is our law expert and she's got many, many reasons to be because she's smarter than everybody here in the room pretty much. But, uh, I'm very curious as to your take on what's going on. With Deshaun Watson right now um, You go back now To the Pelicans And we're going to talk with Ali Casella at 2 o'clock We have seen the Instagram stories We have seen the tweets That They are working out Pretty hard on the In the airline Sports complex and the Oshner sports complex On airline And uh, any number of players have been there including Herb Jones, including Trey Murphy, including Jose Alvarado, Jackson Hayes, Najee Marshall, and Zion Williamson. That is a great thing to see. This is going to be my fourth year in the league, and for the first time we actually have an offseason, a summer, where guys can get in and work out because we've been in a pandemic the last couple of years. It's just not been, it's not been possible. It's just great to see guys getting in there, and wanting to get better. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth with Ollie on this. But uh, just the fact that those guys are in there and working right now is awesome.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, I think we can all finally put the does Zion Williamson want to leave the Pelicans thing, you know, to rest. Uh, I, I think he's earned at this point through his actions, through showing up through the playoffs. Uh, I do strongly think that he, you know, went to Oregon to get away from all of the noise. And he did come back in better shape and, and wanting to get back out on the court. And, you know, when he talked uh, to the media after the season was over, all he did was, you know, prop up uh, the rookies and, you know, just talk about how excited he is to get back on this team. And you could really see that. And, I, I mean, they they basically built a, a well-stacked, thorough team around him, one that has the fundamentals down, one that wants to play for each other as a team and not for one, each one of them individually. And that's where, you know, when I talk about the Warriors and their uniqueness uh, in that aspect, it's always been, you know, it's not just about Steph. It's not just about Clay, It's uh, it's about all of them at once. And then you look at the Nets, who are the only team to get swept in the uh, playoffs this season. But, you know, you can really tell that they all just want to play their role for the sake of the team. And Willie Green is to thank for uh, all of that. So uh, I'm really excited, you know, and I can't say that I have been these previous couple off seasons, you talk about me growing up a Warriors fan. It was a little bit of a hard uh, transition, if you will, when I moved here and and became a Pelicans fan. You know, 2020, there were a lot of vibes that were off for several reasons, but no one looked like they were having fun. They all looked checked out. And, you know, when they played the Warriors and the Warriors literally ran circles around them and were basically the antithesis of what they were doing, it, it was, you know, very painful. So them being a defensive team, Herb Jones Shout out to her, Jones, because you not only made me a Pelicans fan, but you truly made me a basketball fan this season.
1: And that is that is something that does not come easy to Maddie Hudak, who has just missed football here. So for her to transition to basketball, that's, that's really a good segue, Maddie, because, you know, you mentioned when the Warriors ran circles around him at the end of the prior year. That was actually the coming out party of Jordan Poole, who nobody knew. I mean, literally nobody knew and we're doing the game on TV because we weren't traveling back then, myself and J.D., and Jordan Poole scoring 37 points, and we're going, who is Jordan Poole? The guy was in the G League, literally in the G League, and now, of course, he's becoming a young star in the NBA. Now, he's got to get things going for the Warriors if they hope to uh, even this series up or try to win the finals against the Boston Celtics. But, Maddie, you were in the building a bunch this year, um, you know, in a working capacity as well. You did stats for the opposing radio. You did you worked the playoff games. So you were able to watch in person. And, of course, you listened to a lot of the broadcasts. Just your impressions of the year, because this is the first time you've been on since the season ended. Um, the year, what your number one storyline was as the Pels head into the offseason this year, really right in the middle of it, even though the finals are still going on, but what was the couple of things that you really took away from this past year for the Pelicans?
2: Uh, that Brandon Ingram is finally getting the recognition that he deserves in this league. That Willie Green is the difference maker. That's really the takeaway for me. I know everything this off season is going to center around Zion Williamson. But we'll never forget when we did that introductory press conference with him. Correct. I asked him you know a question about Zion. And his immediate response was, to be honest, I haven't had much time to look at Zion's tape, but I'm really excited about I believe it was Najee Marshall. And he he just kept going on, and we're all kind of sitting there. Like, I can't believe he's just talking. You know, a lot of coaches would kind of take that easy out. Zion's the easy thing to talk about, and that was before, you know, we knew that he had injuries uh, that would, you know, last the season at that point. But, you know, I, I think that... A coach can make or break a team, quite honestly. And and just to quickly go back to the Jordan Poole thing, you brought up how he played in the G League. Willie Green did start his coaching career uh, out in Golden State, and and you could see when he sent Trey Murphy to the G League, he got a lot of flack for that for some points. And then Trey Murphy came back, and he was a legitimate, you know, serious basketball player in his rookie season. So I think the biggest storyline for me is watching how Willie Green continues to grow this team.
1: I I agree with that. Uh, Again, just being around every day, the two things that jumped out at me. Now, Herb Jones is the obvious. I was going
2: to say, and Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado
1: are the best. Again, Herb is, that is obvious. Jose Alvarado is a completely different deal because everything that happened to Jose Alvarado is because of him. An opportunity was given to him because of injury. Kyra Lewis tore his ACL. Jose Alvarado was not going to play because Kyra Lewis was the backup point guard. You know Herb Jones had been playing pretty much since Game Two of the regular season when we were up in Chicago, and Willie Green said, "Hey Rook, there's Zach Levine. Go guard him." Um It was an interesting
2: wild rookie I, season. I for mean, think, Herb now Jones, again, the players he guarded
1: that was so long ago because. I remember that game in Chicago. We had lost the opener against Philly at home, and it wasn't close. We go up to Chicago and get absolutely curb stomped. Lonzo Ball had a triple-double in that game. Naturally. I, I mean, so we're 0-2, and I'm like, w- not, not again, not again. But little did we know that the, the foundation was being built. But to see where Jose Alvarado came from— being a two-way player to then being so needed if you will and i'm not a i'm not a wordsmith like yourself but that's really the word the only word he was so needed and so integral that they had to sign him to a regular contract so he would be available for the playoffs that is as remarkable as it gets. And, by the way, they chant his name in the Smoothie King Center.
2: I I love that every time it happens. I think it's, you know, especially the city really can appreciate kind of those guys that come. I mean, you know, I think it's not the same, but it's kind of like, you know, the Lance Moore type, those undrafted people. You know, this city likes to kind of give those people a chance and, and talk about clawing your way into a, you know, legitimate role in the NBA playoffs after all of that. and to a degree, shutting down Chris Paul for substantial portions of that and, and if nothing else, tiring him out. I've said this before, but I cannot wait for the Warriors and the Pelicans to play each other again just because I would love to see Jose Alvarado and Steph Curry chase each other around like hamsters on a wheel the entire game.
1: Which leads to the number one takeaway for me of this season and the best part of it all is the organic love affair that occurred between team and city. Yes. Not fabricated one bit. We saw it grow from November to where, you know, you could have thrown stones in the stands and not hit anybody to where you were in the smoothie King center for the playoff run, the play in game, the two playoff games against Phoenix, where you would have thought you were in the Superdome in late January. It was that awesome, and now to walk around the city, Maddie, and go into places and see people wearing the T-shirts that they passed out during the first two playoff games—people are still wearing them. You're going into an off-season with as much momentum as we have ever had as a franchise.
2: Absolutely, I think uh, I could go on for you know days about Willie Green's impact, but I agree that I think the city was you know a, a little feeling empty after Hurricane Ida, after the pandemic, you know, that really shattered a lot of that feeling of this kind of, you know, city comfort. And then you have, you know, Drew and Sean retire on the football end. And it's kind of like, okay, well, everyone's kind of flailing around having nothing to tether themselves to. And I really think, you know, not only did Willie Green bring the love of basketball back for the players on that team as well, but the city, I mean, we joke about whether New Orleans is a basketball city or not, but they almost became more of a basketball city than anything else for those last couple of months. And I think that it's just kind of a testament to new beginnings and what those can kind of be. And in that same note, it almost makes me excited in a way for on the football side of things to see kind of this new chapter with Dennis Allen because there were great things that happened in the past, but sometimes the new chapter can be exciting. And maybe he's the Willie Green of football. Who's to say? But... He's certainly going to bring defense, as is Willie Green, so maybe I'm biased. I know that I admit that I am, but I'm ex- yeah, I, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, well, that's why the expectations going into both seasons are, are so awesome, and that's why it is awesome to be a New Orleans sports fan right now, because we're heading into Saints training camp, and then, of course, you got the Pelicans on the horizon with training camp coming in late September. It's going to be an unbelievable fall. We've got to take a break. Come back. We are live at Katie's. Graf Hudak, Jordan, The Graduate. We are at 3701 Iberville. We are in the heart of Mid-City. Come on out. Enjoy some lunch with us. It is the Sports Hangover. We're going to get a hold of Gus, too, at some point. Because Gus is in our nation's capital with his son, Carver, trying to get to Vermont. And it is not happening right now. Sports Hangover, 100.3 FM, ESPN, New Orleans. Love
4: Want more from your bank? Open a Cajun Pride Checking Account at State Bank and Trust Company and enjoy the benefits. Unlimited check writing, overdraft protection, online banking, mobile banking, debit card, ID theft assistance, safe deposit box discounts, prescription drug discounts, shopping, travel, entertainment discounts, and much more. Call or come in for more information about applicable fees and terms. State Bank and Trust Company. Cajun banking, served just the way you like it. State Bank and Trust Company, member FDIC.
0: How do you make the most of your land? Shaw does it behind the wheel of a John Deere 1025R compact tractor, as he does everything to make. My yard look as beautiful as I possibly can. But the Hubbard's use their 1025R because...
2: We really are trying to create this
0: homestead. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. How will you make the most of yours? Nothing runs like a deer. Run with us. Visit Home Attractor today next to the Tunnel.
3: can we talk hot sport real sports give us a hot
0: spoonful of your opinion now back to the sports hangover with Gus Kattengau
1: sports hangover Graf Hudak Jordan the graduate live at Katie's 37-1 Iberville we're in the heart of Mid-City come on out again it is a uh It's steamy outside, but so chilly inside that Maddie Hudak has a sweater on. So get out of the heat and come to Katie's. Enjoy the fantastic menu. If you have not had a chance to peruse this thing, and again, we're hoping Chef Scott Craig is going to be here at some point in the second hour. It's just, it's hard, Maddie, because as you know, I'm not, I mean, I can eat, but I got to pick my spots. And if you, if you order the tremendous, you know the the food here i mean what do you do at lunch i mean you're gonna try to eat this and then you you literally have to pass out i I mean i don't know what you're supposed to do you get it to go it's
2: crazy i don't know but i'm staring at that crawfish beignet and i am uh very curious to try that (laughs) after the show because i don't know what that will do to me with its uh ingredients but yeah when uh there's typically three pages of stuff yes uh
1: I mean, there's just, there's just a ton of stuff and the, the thing that has really caught my eye and I know Gus has mentioned it on the show is the barge, which is a three foot pole boy with uh-huh. catfish, oysters and shrimp. It's three feet.
2: It was on drivers, uh, I'm sorry, diners, diner's drive-ins, and, and dives. Yep.
1: So, and as a, uh, an avid watcher, Of diners, drive-ins, and dives, that would be on the uh, food network every Friday. It's a marathon. (laughs) So during the pandemic, during the pandemic, when you couldn't leave your house, I watched Jersey Shore all day on Thursday. They had the marathons on Thursday and then diners, drive-ins, and dives, which I'd never, I mean, I'd seen it, but you know, and now I DVR on Fridays. So if I don't watch during the day and I can't, I can watch later on. It's a sickness, Maddie. It's a sickness. But, uh, yes, the barge was featured. Guy Fieri walked into Katie's.
2: Frosted tips and all.
1: Frosted tips. How about that? We have uh, jumped around here in the first hour, one 800 We've talked NBA Finals. We've talked Saints OTAs. By the way, Jordan, who is not an intern, he is a graduate, is cutting up Dennis Allen sound as we speak. You will hear that at the top of the next hour. And of course, uh we're gonna hear what he had to say after the OTA today. Open locker room coming up at two o'clock. Catherine Terrell from the Athletic will join us at one forty-five to talk about what she has seen at the OTA, but just kind of continuing on the Pelicans theme as we head into the offseason. Matty, obviously the draft is in two weeks. We'll see what happens there. I know Ali Cassell from the Bird rights, he'll join us at the top of the two o'clock hour. He's you know a lot more a lot more informed than I am on the NBA draft. You no, know, obviously the Pelicans need shooting. They need a little length. They, they want a three and D guy. I think that's been pretty much established, but what are you looking for as far as off season, as, as far as individual players, number one? And again, since it's your first time on the air, really our first time together on the air, kind of post this great run that we had, any game that really jumps out to you, uh, where you kind of keep, you know, every once in a while you go back to a man, that that was just fantastic.
2: Um, I'm trying to look. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to say those Lakers wins just because of well the timing. Well done, and, Madeline
1: Hudak. Uh, well done. A Bay Area native <laughs> who is fitting right in to the New Orleans culture. Um, uh, that is definitely high on the list, if you will.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, it, I kind of feel like it came at a necessary time, too. I can't remember, you know, but it was... Down to the wire, it felt like for a while for the Pelicans to make that play-in spot. Uh, and I feel like those wins really, you know, gave them that necessary swagger. Uh, you know, when, uh, Brandon Ingram was leaving and, and yelled, La Brick after, uh, <laughs> the end of that game, you know, that, it, you didn't really ever see the Pelicans chirp because they had no reason to in a way. And, and you only chirp, I mean chirp when it's warranted, but, it felt like they got a little bit of swagger and a lot of confidence. And that, to me, carried them through all of that.
1: I know that the Laker comeback win here in this building, down 23, uh, which, by the way, was the biggest comeback of the year for the Pelicans. I know that is high on a lot of people's list. I'm probably going to have to go to the game in Crypto.com Arena late in the season where they literally brought Labu back. They literally brought Anthony Davis back. Yeah,
2: that's the LeBrick game.
1: Yep, just, just.
2: I forgot Anthony Davis played that
1: game. They brought him back just to play the Pelicans. He did not play for months. That's all, folks. And they brought him. Correct. They brought him back to play that game. LeBou airballed it at the end, and we couldn't believe it. John Dechaise and I were looking at each other going, "We, we actually just won that game. And winning on the road to me. I love winning on the road because it's you against everybody else, and you can walk out with your hands held high, you know, right in all the Lakers fans' faces who thought, of course, it w- we were just going to be a speed bump on their way to the play-in. Well, of course, they didn't make it. But if you think about it, we dirt-napped the Lakers in their own building and then and did took this, their
2: draft pick with it.
1: Correct. And then did the same thing to the Clippers in the play-in. Yes. In their building, which is the same building. With a different floor and different banners, but the last time I was at Katie's here at 3701 Iberville, we were talking about how big that Clipper game was in the grand scheme of things. Winning that game got you into where you were going to play the Phoenix Suns, and the country got a very big glimpse on what we had known for the last couple of months that the Pelicans were going to be a force to be reckoned with. And by the end of that Phoenix series, everybody knew who the Pelicans were. And yeah. that would not have happened if we don't win that Clipper game.
2: No, and it would not have happened if not for Willie Green's speech, the preceding game. Was it against the Spurs? Correct. The first play-in game. At home. Uh, yeah, I remember when that came on, the uh, Jumbotron. And, the
1: Pop Roaches.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and it was, it was like just... Absolutely transfixed. You know it, it, you know, it was It was the right amount of, like, it was just – and I'm funny because they try to mic up coaches throughout the playoffs, and I'm like, just stop doing this. It can never be, you know, duplicated or even, you know, replicated in any way, let alone done better. But I think winning those two games for that team in the long run, too, when you win two do-or-die games, and then everyone expected the Suns to steamroll the Pelicans. Steamroll the Pelicans, yep. let's be honest. And – then, you know, Devin Booker went out, and some people said that that was kind of the reason. And there were a fair amount of people that pointed to the fact that the Pelicans were beating the Suns pretty soundly in that game before Devin Booker went out. And they had to bring Devin Booker back to win in Game 6. And, that you know, if you had said the Pelicans are going to take the number one seeded Suns to Game 6 in the first round of the playoffs... At any point this season, you could pick any time this season, literally any time this season.
1: And Chris Paul went 14 for 14 in Game Six, and needed all 14 of them. But it still makes me sick.
2: It's it's you know I think it's the perfect taste of just a little Agree. bit of the playoffs, Agree. and and better to me to you know go out on such a hard fought series with so much respect. That mutual, you know, I transcribed Monty Williams' press game, a uh, post game presser uh, for the Pelicans, and, you know, all of his answers had to do with the Pelicans and how much they fought and how good Brandon Ingram was and how much the rookies weren't just playing, but they were making plays and defending and and, and just talking up Willie Green, and we all saw them, like, crying at the end. You know, it, it was almost just kind of this, like, poetic ending, um, as difficult as it was, and you get out of there, you don't get injured more, you don't realize how much more... Teams play when you're going through the finals. I yeah. mean, it's been no. two months. It is
1: a grind. It is an app. Ab- you you really have a lot of respect for what's going on. It takes a lot to get to this point on a mental and physical capacity because I can tell you from a personal experience, and I didn't even play. I was exhausted after that first playoff series. We didn't even advance. I was the- exhausted. Yeah. So t- it, it it was awesome. But you know, you go back to the Clipper game. You were talking about Willie Green. The the, the speech at Spurs the end the of. the I mean, no, no, well, I was talking about the Clipper game, the Willie Green speech, the you gotta fight speech is going down in New Orleans lore. Um, you know, after, you know, the Pelicans are down and after three in Los Angeles and come back and win the game. But that is the coulda, woulda, shoulda for Jim Mora. That is the I've seen enough for Sean Payton or Charlie Brown. I mean, that Turn it, out the
2: lights, the party's the, over. Correct. For my I mean, dad.
1: that speech is going down in New Orleans sports history. In
2: sports history, to in, be honest with you. In
1: sports history. I mean, it, it was that important. We are live at Katie's. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to hear from your head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen, as he just addressed the media post OTA. We'll hear those comments. 115, I'll talk to Gary Smith. Tulane's got a new head baseball coach. We will discuss that. Catherine Terrell, 145. Ali Cassell cannot come here, but he will join us on the phone. Editor in chief of the Bird Rights at the top of the two o'clock hour. Todd Graffanini, Maddie Hudak, Jordan, the Graduate, live at Katie's 3701, Iberville, in the heart of Mid-City. Back with our number two after this. Listening to the Sports Hangover on ESPN 100.3 FM. I'm in a
2: hurry to get things done.